Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where we are still catching up. We're catching up on all the non-gaming things. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. We're super geeky. Yes, this is still true. Um, today, we're talking about, well, I already said, we're talking about all the things that we're catching up on from our like extended break, winter break type of stuff. And it seems like this time, we kind of flipped from last time. I have more stuff than you for non-gaming, yep. which is weird. We were just talking about this. Yeah, it's really, really strange where usually you you just burn through video games and I'm like, I'm going to read and watch everything. And then this year I was like, games, 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 games. And you're like, stuff, 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 stuff. So it was it was weird. Interesting, weird. Yeah, I still played a bunch of games. But yes, you are correct. So we kind of structured this like we did last week. Uh, we have a bunch of quick hit stuff that we will fly through because, again, there were a lot of things here. So we kind of pre-talked, which we don't always do in an episode. And uh, these are the things that we didn't really have a whole lot of back and forth to discuss. And then we have like longer discussions down below. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Because yeah. you have less. You go- okay. Okay, I'll fly you through You go these. on first. Um, so I watched a bunch of stuff. So I finished The Crown Season 2. Um, it's still really good, like I said, on the episode where I dove in deep on it. Uh, I'm excited for Season 3. Kind of apprehensive of the actors changing over to new actors, but that's okay. Uh, we'll yeah. see what happens with it. The Horizon Zero Dawn no-clip documentary was really good. It was a, a great... Oh, I bet. Yeah, I mean, just like all the other no-clip documentaries. It was a great, great behind-the-scenes look at game development. And it was really interesting to see what they went through to get like a first person shooter engine change over to a third person action RPG, you know, engine. Yeah. Um, because as they were making the last kill zone, they were already like planning their engine ahead for this game. So I don't know. It was just a really interesting look at like iterative design and all this behind the scenes stuff. Uh, I That's watched... really cool. I didn't realize that it was the same engine as Killzone. Yeah, it's the same engine. It's the same team. So it that's I mean, it, it's a fascinating look at how a studio can move from like one type of genre to another one. Um, I watched Dunkirk, which it's a good war movie, but it's definitely yeah. a war movie. So like if you don't yes. like war movies, if you're not in the mood for it, um, don't watch it but if you are it, it's a really good war movie um there are three timelines converging which it took us a little bit to realize and a lot of other people i've talked to said i didn't understand the movie at all that nothing lined up uh... and it's about three timelines that are all kind of converging to one point so as soon as you realize that it's easy to see what's going on but otherwise you're like wait why is it still day there and not a lot of time has passed and this other one is at night now that being said it, it's like a movie that's full of atmospheric sound there's almost no soundtrack to the movie and hmm. It's an amazing, like, filmmaking choice, you know? Um, Like I said, I can usually shut off my brain for storytelling narratives with, like, TV and movies and stuff. And this was a film where I actually kind of stepped back and went, wow, that was, like, a really cool filmmaking production standpoint choice to just use natural sounds and not have these, like, sweeping epic soundtracks for most of it. And I have no doubt that that's going to be a fantastic movie with Chris Nolan behind it, that it's, it's just... There's no way that it's not, but it's not my kind of movie. So when I've seen any trailer, despite hearing literally nothing bad about it, I don't know if I will ever watch it unless Jennifer or somebody around me is like, hey, we're going to watch Dunkirk. And I'll be like, all right, that's fine. But I don't think I would ever seek it out just because that's not my genre of movie. Yeah, but I've it's like not said, heard it's a war anything movie. bad. No, it's, yeah. it's good, but it's a it's a war movie movie. You know, you got to be in that mindset for it. I watched a little bit more DuckTales with my son. It's still good. I'm still enjoying it. I'm not like rushing through to finish it. I'm just kind of waiting until whenever he wants to watch more, which has usually been yeah. over pizza. Whenever we like order a pizza, he's like, let's watch another DuckTales. And I say, OK, um, there's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. 
there's Star Trek Discovery. So I watched episode 10 was the latest one. And I'm not going to spoil it because I know you haven't watched it yet. And a lot of people haven't caught up because 10 is very recent. But I hope this is the direction the series has actually been like leading to. And this is the direction that they're going to go forward with. Um, It also would help explain a lot about like their level of technology and how it interacts with the timeline and the existing canon and stuff like that. You know, if I can go ahead and tell me if you don't want to avoid spoilers for the audience. But I don't know if I will watch this at any point within years like i don't i have zero desire to see it right now and that may change okay i will do 30 seconds worth of spoilers so if you're listening and you don't want those skip ahead 30 seconds it is basically a mirror universe that they get trapped in and it's like a dark look at a mirror universe whereas in the past it's always been treated as like a joke and like a one-off episode it seems like they might actually get stuck there for an extended period of time and it might become a very serious thing which is kind of interesting in our current climate yeah hopefully that'll be the direction they go because that does sound pretty neat yep um uh, I checked out a couple Netflix originals, and some of them I bounced off of pretty quick. But there's a new David Letterman show where uh. it's just him interviewing somebody for like an hour. And I always liked his interview skills. I never liked the late night trappings of well, any late yes. night show. Like I hate any of them. I right. hate the the comedy style of it. And like, oh, let's throw it to the band. Ha ha, that's funny. You have a guy that's there to laugh at uh-huh. you. Like. I just I'm not a fan of that. But Letterman himself is a really like amazing interviewer. And so Netflix gave him a show where he just interviews somebody for an hour. And the first episode is Barack Obama. It was awesome. Like to, you know, hear him interview President Obama was a great episode. So if that sounds even remotely interesting to you, go check it out. And I'm excited for the next episode, which isn't out yet, but I will keep an eye on it. And then That sounds really awesome because I hate late night comedy as well, just because of that kind of structure around it that I like bits and pieces of it, but not the whole thing. And that's one of the reasons I really like Sarah Silverman's. I think it's I Love You America on Hulu that uh, she she's doing something different with late night is what she says. And she even has the uh, white guy in a suit behind a uh, behind a desk whenever things get too out of hand to throw it back to to make people feel better. Like it's uh, it's really funny the way that they handle it there. So I I like the way that people are moving away from the late night standard while trying to keep the good parts of it. Yep. Yep. It's good. I like that. Um, I also rewatched Westworld and Mm. it was really interesting rewatching it with the knowledge that you get at the very end of the season. So I enjoyed it an entirely like different way this time. Oh yeah. Whereas the first watch through, it's all about like piecing it together and what's happening and all these big questions about consciousness and, and really interesting stuff like that. The second watch through, it was actually, so, so the first time I went through the season, I felt like the back half of the season was stronger because like, um, all the narrative threads start to tie together. Enough clues are dropped that you can start putting things together and then you get some answers by the end of the season right this time because i already had those answers the first half of the season was actually much more interesting because i already knew a lot of stuff and i could identify what they were doing and where they were and like how all the different narrative threads tied together oh i bet yeah yeah and then the second like the back half of the season was less interesting because by then i felt like okay it's just going through the motions to get to the end of where it is so it was it was a good experience to go through again and i'm really glad i did it yeah which is a great way to actually structure a tv show like that because a lot of times when you're putting things together like Lost or a TV show like that that relies on kind of uh, breadcrumbing people through, it's very hard for 
very hard to get that balance right, but them doing it like that, I'm really interested on how I think about it uh, with them structuring it that way where they've done it where it'll be different each time you watch it. It was good. I'm excited for season two whenever it comes out, probably 2019, I think. Um, I read a couple things. Well, in a, one way, I read a bunch, but I read uh, Cobalt Squadron, which was like a tie-in for The Last Jedi. It was all right, I guess. I, I really wouldn't recommend that as a place to start with Star Wars books, but it's it's okay. okay. <laughs> you know, I've told you, a lot of the Star Wars books are just okay. This one was definitely in that camp. I guess I'm reading, like with air quotes, the Oathbringer, the Cosmere okay. novel. Uh, normally, if I really get into a long book like this, I will read it, and then the Whisper Sync will hook up, and then I will listen to it, and I'll jump back and forth. But... Because this novel is so long, it breaks the download into five parts. And for some reason, the way that works with WhisperSync is that it doesn't actually do WhisperSync. Do, which do is you use really disappointing. the uh, Kindle app for that or the Audible app to do WhisperSync? The Audible app. You need to go into your settings and you can still set it for one large download. Oh, okay. I, I need to do that. So I'm Because that's been, how I did uh, Way of Kings. Okay, so I've been listening to it. And I would like to also be reading it, but I'm not. But yeah, it's it's a good book, but it's long and it's part of that fantasy epic and it's Cosmere. I mean, it's all this stuff we've talked about before. Yep. But yeah, I'm about halfway through. So we'll have to talk whenever both of us get through that one. And then yep. and I'm about halfway through Words of Radiance. So we're not we're not that far apart on it. OK. And then the other thing I did was I read a bunch of comics. I picked up a month of Marvel Unlimited. And I read through uh, the rest of the Vader 2015 run. I read through all the Star Wars to get caught up. Um, I read through Poe Dameron and caught up on Silver Surfer. And I read a couple other things that I want to talk about in depth later. But I don't have a whole lot to say about those ones that I just ran through, which is fine. And then um, did they finish Vader? You say the Vader 2015. Does that mean it's over? So there's a 2017 or 2016 run. That's what I want to talk about later. Okay. 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 Fantastic. Um, And then... I also listened to, I mean, besides Oathbringer, I also listened to Hardcore History Addendum, which is a new separate podcast feed for Hardcore History that's like all of the side thoughts or like side discussions, tangents, interviews, stuff like that that doesn't really go into the main like epic crazy length feed, you know, where the episodes are like three to six hours usually. This yep. is like a little half hour here or a little 45 okay. minutes there. So it's cool. And if you like Hardcore History, you should check that one out. There's not a whole lot in there yet, but there will be over time. But yeah, those are those are all my quick hits. Okay, so my quick hits are way smaller than yours on this one. Um, for reading on Christmas, my wife got me the Gravity Falls Journal 3, where uh, if you've seen the show, you know that Dipper finds this journal uh, that someone left all these clues to why the town is all wacky and weird. And they've written it out, printed it up, and there's a hardcore ver- or a hardcover version of it uh, that you can just sit and read. So that has been just delightful for me because I still still think gravity falls is like my favorite tv show after i've you know and that i've just been kind of piecing my way through it as it sits on my couch and i finally finished way of kings uh the cosmere book the brandon sanderson one and i'm into words of radiance now i'm a good third to a half through it so i'm really excited to uh, get into oathbringer because all of a sudden just you know a couple of days ago, I hit that point in Words of Radiance where I'm like, oh yeah, this is what was happening, and I really, really want to plow through it. So I need to install, uh, download it on the Audible app so that I can do Whisper Sync on it like I did Way of Kings some. I haven't been reading a whole lot other than that, um, but I moved in. We, we got Movie Pass. 
and a lot of the movies that we watched with Movie Pass uh, are in my longer discussion. And I wanted to actually talk though about three of them that that I've been watching was Pitch Perfect three, and like I loved the first Pitch Perfect. I didn't really care that much for the second one. Like it was ridiculous in a way I didn't necessarily think was it was fun, but it wasn't memorable. And the third one decided to go full Twenty One Jump Street, like jumping the shark, very aware of how dumb this is. And it went full on dumb in the best ways possible that uh, if you if you did not like two, but liked one, y'all need to go see Pitch Perfect three because that's it's just it knows exactly what it is to finish this up with a bunch of 30 year old women singing acapella with the USO like it. It, it goes in really weird places. Since I've been running a lot more, I I sit around and while I've had a little bit of time, I rewatch Spirit of the Marathon one and two. It's really good. Like I love those, love those movies. Um, I watch them every so often, even though I've never run a marathon. Don't really have any plans to run a full one. Um, maybe eventually, but when I'm forty or something, uh, I'll I'll decide to do that to prove myself that I'm still alive. But um. They're just really good documentaries about runners, um, and they're about people, which is why I like them. I watched one, I think, by the same people who did those called Boston, which is a look at the history of the Boston Marathon and uh, leading up through the bombing and uh, the the recovery from that. Um, it's new. It came out, I want to say, in like December. I'm pretty sure like it is brand new, and I ended up buying it on Amazon Instant uh, just because I couldn't rent it. That it it's really really good. It's narrated by Matt Damon, and uh, that it just talks a lot. I learned a lot about the Boston Marathon and the history of it through uh, through watching it. And then one on Amazon Prime that was really really cool was called Heart from Flatline to Finish Line, and it's about triathletes who all have heart conditions, like people who have had to have open heart surgery or in danger of heart def- or in danger of heart attacks and going into cardiac arrest and people who are doing the these people do the Ironman triathlon and it just talks about people with like congenital heart defects all of this doing like the one of the most grueling uh, intense sporting events that that there is which uh, an Ironman is like I want to say a mile and a half swim a hundred mile bike ride and then a full marathon and you have 17 hours to finish it so these are people who have uh, major heart issues and cardiac issues um, doing the doing these races and uh, it was really 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 good I liked it and there are people from 30 years old all the way up to like 70 that are doing this like it's it's super cool but really the rest of mine I think that I had written down I think I'm going to save till next week's geekery because they're about video games and this is not about video games so so that's all of my kind of quick hits. So okay. cool. Uh, let's do a quick dive into Geeky Offer of the Week. Let's do uh, Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash Geek2GeekCast. You can get a free book on us. And I suppose we could just recommend Way of Kings because you were just talking about it. And I was just talking about the third book in the series. And it's a good series. And the books are insanely long. So a really good way to get through them is to listen on Audible. We do it, so you do it. Uh, yeah, so go to audibletrial.com slash geek2geekcast and help the podcast and get a book at the same time, which is pretty sweet. I should also say all the other shows on the network are awesome. Um, this week, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea talked about The Greatest Showman in depth. Uh, Geektitude with Joe was about costumers for a cause, so it's kind of like cosplay, but kind of like the 501st and, you know, like all those official groups out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, yeah. And I've it. met costumers for a cause, like like the actual group, some of the people at conventions, like they're super nice people. 
yeah, so they he talked to one of the people involved with uh, the Minnesota chapter, which was really cool to hear since obviously I'm Minnesotan. And then uh, the comic box with Rob, he talked all about like, uh, well, he called it a comic geek's guide to 2018. So he kind of highlighted all of the major things coming out that we already know about in 2018 from like comic book TV shows to movies to, you know, just a little bit of everything. So that was a good overview. But yeah, all the shows on the network are always awesome. You guys should go listen if you don't already. Okay. Second half of our episode, which is longer, <laughs> is longer discussions. So let's start with Blade Runner 2049 because we oh, both yeah. watched it. What did you right. think? Okay, I loved this movie. That there are, there are definitely weak parts in it, but uh, the way that I the way that I had it described to me before I saw it was that it was overly long. It takes itself way too seriously, but it is incredibly important. And I'm like, yep that's kind of the way I feel about it. Like, like it, it's, it's, that's about a perfect description for me that it is overly long. It takes itself way too seriously. And that I feel like it's important. Like I really, really loved this movie. Okay. I mean, I, I liked it. I, I should preface it by saying that I have tried to watch the original Blade Runner probably seven to 10 times. And okay. I have tried every version that somebody has recommended. Oh, you have mm-hmm. you watched X version? Because there's so many yep. out there. None of them. Like, I just cannot get through that movie. I either fall asleep or I get so insanely bored by how slow it is. And I, I don't think I've ever even made it to the halfway point. It, um, it is a very hard movie to watch. And Blade Runner 2049. For those of you who are like you, I know you got through 2049. So that goes what I'm saying. It is a much better movie than the original Blade Runner. Like, I like Blade Runner, and we watched them day, like, we watched Blade Runner on Saturday and then uh, watched Blade Runner 2049 the next night on Sunday. Blade Runner was pretty hard to get through. Like, I like the movie, but I don't love it, and I really think I love 2049. Okay, I don't love it, but I'm glad that I watched 2049. Um, It's kind of what I talked about the other week, where if there's a movie and it's well made and it's interesting and it's kind of more of a tone piece, I can watch it once. So this is a movie that I'm glad that I watched one time and I kind of doubt I will ever give three hours of my life to this movie again because man, it is a long movie and it is slowly paced. And that's actually why I like it. I don't see. And where I'm, I get nitpicky on movies like this. This is where I'm like, it's not slowly paced. It's deliberately paced where that's the way I feel about the first movie as well. Slowly. Yeah, I mean, it it is like it's made to be slow, where it's not just a movie where they didn't know what they were doing. They made it to feel like this. And when I'm going in and knowing that I can deal with it. But when I go in and and it's just a badly paced movie, it's a completely different monster for me. And that's kind of what it is with the original Blade Runner, where because I know that Ridley Scott was doing this, I can watch it. But if I just kind of turned it on, like like watching Dune, um, that was it David Lynch. I can't remember. No, not David Lynch. Whoever it is. I I don't remember who who did Dune. Now, my brain is just kind of kind of exploding. Like I can't watch a Dune, Dune, because it's uh, it's slowly paced, but not on purpose. It's just not well put together, if you ask me. It's uh, it's the worst of eighty sci-fi pacing, and I think that Blade Runner is at least deliberate in that respect. And I think Blade Runner took that kind of atmosphere and tone, or twenty forty nine took that atmosphere and tone that was set it up with it, that set it up. Wow, um, that was set up with it and moved it forward and 
put out a lot more interesting questions uh, without nearly the questionable content uh, and stuff from the first one. Because there are some really ooky moments in the first one that I think the second one, that, that weren't necessary, that I think the second one avoided without having to deal with like okay so 349 didn't have them like i said i never even got through the first one so which is why i wanted to mention this because i actually sat through it and i thought it was worth seeing once like once like i don't think it's a amazing i don't think it's like a be-all end-all sci-fi thing like a lot of other people who watched it this year but i did enjoy it as a sci-fi movie one time knowing that it is slow and it took three hours of my life so you know keep that in mind and before we move on from this i do want to say like i should have put in my uh in my quick links my quick hits on this one that i like this because it's my kind of sci-fi is that kind of dystopian cyberpunk um a cerebral sci-fi that philip k dick style of uh of cerebral noir really and how have um, you not watched black mirror I, 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 we will get to that. I know I'm jumping ahead, but like you say uh, that as one of your favorites, I can't believe you've avoided Black Mirror to this point. Because the way that I, it was described to me was a kind of sci-fi Twilight Zone, well, and I haven't been too. in the mood for a uh, um, for an anthology series like that. Was specifically why uh, I didn't want one-offs. Okay, I'm I'm jumping ahead because I have this in mind for later. But we're talking about okay. it now, so. Black Mirror is a show that's been very hit and miss with me. Um, I watched all of the first season and I was like, yeah, that was worth it. Even though there was some stuff in some of the episodes, it was kind of like, we probably didn't need to go there, but whatever. Um, I tried to watch season two and then I started skipping around episodes because there are just some episodes that didn't do anything for me. And that's kind of how I watched two. And I think season three, I only watched a couple of the episodes and the other ones I watched five or 10 minutes of and said, nope, not for me. Um, that being said, like the latest season just came out recently and I watched it in the last week. Uh, and there are two episodes in there that are really good. So there's the USS Callister, which is it's kind of a, an MMO type of look. It's like a future tech thing where you put like a little uh, tech dot thing on your temple and then it can like take over your vision and like put you into a virtual space. So it's kind of about MMOs and like a space MMO that's really successful. And you get the impression it's probably a leading MMO out in the world. But then the other thing is, like, the lead programmer for it is obsessed with basically a placeholder for, like, the original series of Star Trek. And he has taken that and put, uh, like... You know, they call it Space Team, but it's Star Trek. So he's putting like a Space Team mod on it on his personal console. And he, uh, I I don't want to add much more beyond that. It's a really interesting look at both MMOs and kind of like a creepy Star Trek guy. And it goes (laughs) in a lot of very, very interesting places. So that one was good. And I've heard that this one, the most recent one, as of this recording, I can't even remember the name of it. Like, I've heard a lot of people talking about it online, both in our Slack with everybody uh, who's there in the geek to geek one, as well as just on Twitter, that apparently this week's was really good, wasn't it? Uh, th- I mean, they released the season at a time. So, oh, do season they? Okay, four. Is yeah. It- so, like, this is one of the ones that you've probably heard people talk about. The other one that's really good is Hang the DJ. And it's probably my favorite episode of Black Mirror so far out of all the seasons that are out. It is, I can tell the premise without spoiling a lot. It's it's basically like uh, two people show up to this, like, it's kind of like an isolated resort type thing. And they have, it's not a cell phone, but it's like a little almost personal tablet type of thing that's their coach. They use this coach to 
they're, it's basically trying to find like their perfect match for a relationship. So you show up okay. at this, you know, big complex. It's not like a cult complex. It's just a giant area, you know, that's designated for this. You go in and you have this little coach and um, that's your only connection with like technology basically. And you go wherever it says and you like meet up with a person and then you can both choose to like reveal how much time is left on the relationship and it will count down. And whenever it hits the end of the huh. time, you have to split up. So the thing is, the system's always watching you, and it learns, like, what worked in a relationship, what didn't work, all of your, like, micro-expressions, and, like, how you feel about different situations and people. So it runs you through a bunch of different types of relationships to try to find your correct match in the end. So you have to huh. agree to the process. But that being said, the end result is supposed to be, like, your perfect match, right? That, that sounds really awesome. So... Yeah, it's it's an interesting premise, and the episode starts out with two people who it's both of their like first day there, you know, first night they meet up and they get paired up for dinner, and they reveal how much time they have together, and it's like a day or it's like twelve hours, it's like not a lot of time, but they right. they like each other and they make like a connection, and then they have to split up, and then the rest of the episode is about like them jumping between all these other relationships, and they still see each other sometimes because the complex isn't like infinitely big, you know, you run into other people that are there still searching for their match. So it's kind of about like love sometimes fighting back against the system, but how the system works and does the system work? And should you like accept that and work within it or should you push back against it? It huh. it opens up a lot of really interesting questions. That sounds really neat. Like I know I need to watch this show and I'm, what I might do to start out with, because I've heard that, like you said, some of them are hit or miss and that the beginning of it can start a little different than what the, uh, the beginning of the series starts out a little different from where it's ended up now, that I might pick up like some of these right that have just come out and like see about the uss callister i would see recommend how it works for me. that approach yeah you should grab the episodes that people like and are talking about because there are a lot of episodes in there that you can kind of skip that aren't fantastic but yeah and this hang, is on netflix right it's on netflix yep it's a netflix i don't know if it's a netflix original it might be something else in the uk where it comes out where it's i think it's made in the uk and then it comes over here i don't know but it's okay, on netflix see, th- for I, us that's why i thought it was being released uh weekly and then it just got put on seasons on netflix okay yeah so hang the dj like if you've never watched a black mirror before i would suggest hang the dj or the uss callister are both new and they're both really good places to start and i basically only gave you the first 10 minutes of each one out of like an hour or an hour and a half worth of show so okay yep so there's shows like that they're they're not like 45 minute episodes no it's you know it's like a netflix length like a full 60 minutes or uh, i think the uss callister is almost like a small movie length it's probably like 70 or 80 minutes maybe close to 90 yeah that's a long episode but it's good it's good it's worth watching that's cool yeah, but you watched a bunch of stuff, right? Do you want to talk about, or did you want to talk uh, about what you listened to first? Well, I'll talk about what I listened to first, um, because it's not a whole lot. Like, I, I, I listened to the new Nintendo Power podcast because I was such a Nintendo Power kid that I lost my mind when I heard that the Nintendo Power podcast was coming out. So I wanted to make sure that I at least touched on it because I'm so excited to have a Nintendo Power officially back that I don't care if it's very good or not, that I will listen to it because I've been a Nintendo Power reader since the first issue when I was a kid. That's somewhere in one of my boxes in my storage room or my mom's attic i really can't remember where i put it and yes i realized that what that sounds like it's like i'm that guy who has stuff stored my my video game stuff stored my mom's attic um 
is the first issue of Nintendo Power that I've have and beaten up so badly that when there was a new podcast, I just had to, and I loved it. And I love podcasts where they can get like developers and stuff like that on there. Um, so I really loved it. So and then I, I agree with a lot of the things you just said for me also, cause I grew up with Nintendo Power. The thing I disagree with is I want it to be a good podcast. Like I will listen uh, because I was a Nintendo Power kid, but I need it to be good. And the first episode it was a good enough premise. I just hope that they keep getting that behind the scenes access to developers. Like that is the thing yes, that could make that's true. them. Yeah, that that's the one piece that could make them a podcast that rises above all of the other Nintendo podcasts out there right now. Whereas the first episode alone, because there's only one out, I was like, yeah, but I listened to like three other Nintendo podcasts because I'm subscribed to a bajillion podcasts. Like, right. you can do better. And I think they will. You just got to give them some time. It's been one episode. Yeah, I mean, and the part that I really, really liked the most about it was that they had the Zelda developers. Yes, that was the best that part. Was the, I love that kind of behind the scenes look. Like you said, that's why we watch these no clip documentaries and all of that. So if they can continue with that, I would, I would love, I will, I will continually listen to it. Where you know, there's a good chance I'll fall off if it's not. But if they keep doing that, I'll listen to it every month that they put it out. I guess maybe who knows? Sweet, yeah, um, me too. But other than that, I've listened to a lot of different Spotify running playlists, and I know that sounds weird, but you know, with me running as much as I have been lately and really getting back into it. It, I realized I couldn't listen to podcasts. It was the Nintendo Power podcast that made me realize that I needed to listen to music while I ran because it was just um, like usually I listen to podcasts or audiobooks, and right now I'm needing that up tempo. And even my normal playlist that I put together myself wasn't doing it. So I looked on Spotify and they've got a lot of different playlists from a lot of different genres that are labeled specifically for um, a number of beats per minute that it will say like rock 170 to 190 BPM. And I'm like, that is specifically what I need. And I've been listening to it and it's like heavy metal, like I like. So it it's, and some of it's really terrible heavy metal. Like there's a lot, there's a couple of Papa Roach songs in there thrown in with the Rammstein and Marilyn Manson. But, um, it's, uh, for the most part, I really like it, so I'm very glad that uh, they've put together and even labeled the BPM on their running playlist now. Um, Dude, that's sweet. I'm glad you found those. I might like, have to try those when I get back to running in the spring, but I'm, and, I'm very trapped in Minnesota winter at the moment. Yes, you are. And I mean, they do have, and I haven't tried it again, they even have some that are that actually determine the speed of the playlist based on your cadence of running on your phone, like with the accelerometer, where no matter what you are, it's going to be able to keep you on pace with the music that it chooses. Like their, their smart playlists are really, really neat as well. So if you should definitely try that out. So that's what I listen to. Um, we've been watching a lot of stuff lately. You know, I mentioned that we went and uh, bought Movie Pass, and I mean, there's Star Wars. We've watched. I've only seen Star Wars twice, though. Amazingly, at this point, um, I expected to see it four or five times, like I did The Force Awakens, but I've only seen it twice. Have you seen it anymore since we talked about it last? No, but it's because of how I've talked about how impossible it is for me to actually get to mm. the movies for stuff. Like, yeah, if, so if I could do, actually go the amount I wanted to, I probably would have seen it like five times, uh, but I've only seen it two at this point. And I think actually what got me not to go 
more. And as much as I love the movie, I do think it was the length of the movie because I haven't wanted to set aside that much time. So we, we went and saw Star Wars. Love it. Um, we went and saw Jumanji. And I absolutely adored Jumanji. And I'll tell you why. Like, I went in and it is exactly the movie that you think it is. That whether that is good or bad... Whatever you think it is, it is that movie, if you have seen a trailer. Yeah, no, like, I want to go to this movie and turn my brain off the same way that I do when I go to see Jurassic World, right? It's like, it's that kind of movie, right? It is a popcorn movie. It is there. It does not take itself seriously. It is precisely the opposite of Blade Runner 2049, where you go in. This movie does not take itself seriously. This movie is goofy and silly and so much fun to watch that there are, there's not any like hidden meaning in anything. It's just like here are these kind of loser wiener kids getting turned into these weirdos in a video game. And it's it's like that's awesome it's the rock being goofy it's karen gillen being like a really fun actress and uh it's just like jack black not being annoying and kevin hart being legitimately funny it's like weird that that i liked all of these characters even though i don't particularly care for kevin hart or jack black but they were endearing in this movie and yes I it's based on it it's based on a video game. Like it's not it's it's let me let me phrase that a little differently. It is the premise of this that instead of them getting sucked into a board game, they're getting sucked into a video game and it's handled really well that I've got a I, I got to say like usually you watch something with a video game on screen, you roll your eyes if you're a gamer. It's like, "Oh, that's not how it would work." And it's uh because we're nerds and we all do that. And this one, it's like, oh, yeah, that's how the map opens up. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and so I was, it was interesting to see stuff like that in a movie. And then, like, last night, I think it was last night. Maybe it was the night before. I don't remember. Uh, we watched The Greatest Showman. I loved this movie. It was magnificent. Like, I think I loved it more than either of the people I went with. Like, uh, Jennifer and, and our friend Adam went to see it uh, with me. And it was... It was so good that the songs, the the songs are both the best and weakest part of the movie, I think, where no, they were all just fantastic songs. They're so well put together. They you and I haven't listened to uh, Katie and Chelsea's episode yet. I saw it came out this morning and the songs aren't anything memorable. Like they're all similar songs. They're really well written. They're really well put together, but none of them stuck in my head after the movie. OK, and, hang on. I have a thought about that because I've listened to the soundtrack. I haven't seen okay. the movie. There's one song that I really like on the soundtrack, The Other Side, because Mm -hmm. it's a duet and it moves the plot ahead. Yes. But, like, I've listened to Hamilton a lot, and I know what, like, really good you know, like music theater music is because I've, I've listened to other musicals. Like I enjoy a good musical listening to this soundtrack on its own. Most of the songs are kind of like static in a way that's not actually moving the plot ahead. Like I can tell that the movie probably did something to build up to this song. And then this song is a tone piece that doesn't actually do anything for the plot. And then after it wraps up, the next thing happens. Is that true? Is that accurate? Pretty 
Pretty much, yeah. It, where it they use like them it. as tone pieces, and they'll come back with uh, with snippets and reprises of those of those songs to really call back an emotion. But uh, they don't really move the plot forward, like like you said. Some of them do, and that's really the weakest part of it. But the spectacle that they put along with it, that that alongside the uh, the show or the I was I was looking at the notes and said showing uh, alongside the uh, songs themselves the way that they stage it is just incredible like they put together like the choreography is great and more than anything the cinematography in this movie is beautiful that you want to talk about something being deliberately made this movie is very deliberately made and i sat there from both a craft perspective and a theater perspective with my background and just everything i'm like man these people knew what they were doing and i think that's why i enjoyed it so much because i loved seeing how good the eye of the director and and creative team were that they they really knew how to make this movie look magnificently spectacular that the stylization just the way that they moved people around on screen and blocked it all was great and so the songs just kind of added that and elevated it with the emotion from the songs like i don't think i would have loved it as much if it were just a was a non-musical that was this well put together but they put a good musical on top of fantastic cinematography and i think that it really just upped the ante on it that i, I love that part of it cool yeah i definitely want to see it at some point i just don't know when it'll happen and, eventually and then jennifer and i've been re-watching stranger things that i've i'm re-watching it and she is watching it that she never uh got into watching it the first time around and did you ever watch season two i know that you've been kind of no, eh, I, I think i got down. through 75 percent of the first season and that's where i okay. stopped because i was just bored and i don't okay so i love season one like jennifer got into it because her sister got into it and like she didn't listen to me she listened to her sister and she wanted something to have this to be able to talk to her sister about it when she found out that she loved it and um you want to watch this and i'm like yeah i'll rewatch it it's awesome and it is even going back it, it's fantastic i love rewatching it and i'm having a really good time and i don't understand the hate for season two that even my second time through it i'm halfway through it again right now and i do not understand why so many people hate on season two so much that it's i've seen so many people say that it relies on nostalgia just way too much and i don't understand how that's how people say that it's almost like the way that people don't like the last jedi for all of the things that i do it's like we can't be watching the exact same thing that i'm i really think stranger things one and two are both really well put together um, so yeah, I'm enjoying rewatching it. Jennifer's loving it. And, uh, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'll watch this. I'm, I'm happy about it. So cool. I'll, I'm excited I'm to see whatever you... happens with season three. Yeah. I'm glad you still like it as a show. Cause I know you really yeah. liked it the first time through. So it's good yeah. when things and, hold up on second watch. And it really does where I'm still engaged and worried about these characters. Okay, cool. I was going to ask you, have you watched the doctor who Christmas special or do you plan no. to? 
Okay. I, I don't really plan to. I know that uh, I know most of what happens. I know, you know, the new doctor and the new showrunner and uh, the library Jennifer works at. She always does like a Doctor Who season premiere party. That's one of their, you know, big events where people come out, dress up, bring their Daleks that they've made. So I may watch it there and may watch the premiere, but I haven't seen anything. I've never even seen a Capaldi episode. So I'm just like, uh, maybe eventually I'll go back to it, but I just haven't been interested lately. Did you not even like give him a shot as a new doctor? Like you haven't even seen the start of his run? I, I saw literally 10 minutes of the first episode of his season, and it wasn't that I didn't like it. It was, it was just that I realized as it started that I did not care about watching Doctor Who right then. And I haven't been in the mood to watch it since where it's not even him. It was just a specific, uh, Doctor Who in general. I haven't watched any of the old ones either. Okay, well, maybe this is more of a me talking at you and less of a discussion point then, but I watched okay. the Doctor Who Christmas special um, because I always try to, especially if, when it's the Christmas special where a doctor changes over because it's right. always kind of a reinvention of the show that's usually worth my time. Um, maybe not every Christmas special, but all of the ones where it switches from one doctor to another, I am glad that I have watched them, even if I didn't end up watching that doctor's run of the show. So, okay. you know, like I, I always try to make time for it. Um, and this one was, it was okay. I didn't think it was amazing, but I'm still glad that I've watched it so that now I have just that little bit of extra context for the next doctor starting out. Right. And you oh, know, yeah. if I, when I go watch the next season, I'll absolutely watch this Christmas special. I mean, you're, I, you're right. You have to. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I told you, I didn't like Capaldi's run at all. Like he just didn't work for me. I tried a couple episodes and I bounced off, but watching this got me excited for the new doctor and got me excited for like, you know, the transformation and, you know, the show yeah. reinventing itself like it always does. So after getting that little bit of excitement, I'm actually kind of tempted to go back to the Matt Smith run and watch like right. the last couple episodes of David Tennant into the transition, you know, the special that goes to Matt Smith because yeah. Matt Smith is still my favorite doctor and just watch his run all the way through kind of casually on the side of what else I'm doing. Yeah. So I might end up doing that. I might. That's a good idea. I mean, I think that's kind of how I would need to approach Doctor Who at this point is kind of it being the sideshow that I watch whenever I want something on because it's like I don't feel like I can get invested in it anymore. I don't know. I think it's just my, my tastes have changed. I have found because I tried at one point to catch up on it and I will burn out on Doctor Who if I try to like mainline it. Whereas yes. most of the reason that I'm able to get through the amount of shows and movies and books and games and all the stuff that I do, like you said, I usually come to Weekly Geekery with more than you. And one of the reasons is because I do like one thing with my free time, because if I don't right. budget my free time as a parent, it will just disappear. It'll go to like social media and like, I don't know what to watch. I'll browse Netflix and try to find something like this is where my whole system that I work off of now with my free time came from. Right. And okay. Like, that's the core of it is like, I have to actually use my free time. Otherwise, it just it's so easy to lose it as a parent. And there's something about Doctor Who that doesn't lend itself well to just sitting down and watching Doctor Who episode after episode, whereas right. most of the other stuff I do, I can concentrate on that thing to the exclusion of all other like side activities with my free time and be fine, you know, whether it's a game yep. or a book or a, a movie or whatever. But yeah, Doctor Who, after like a couple episodes in a row, I'm, it's 
there's a sameness to it even though every episode is kind of unique Mm -hmm. and different but there's still you know there's a formula to it that once you see it it's kind of like okay i need a break from this so i i really do think if i go back to it it will be casually a couple episodes at a time and when i watched it i didn't do it during like have it week after or day after day after day i was watching it when i went and visited my dad and uh we would watch maybe three or four episodes a week where we would be hanging out maybe sometimes it was two but we were just kind of hanging out and watching them on the night of the week that i went out there where i would be able to come back uh and like the next week and we would be watching them there it wasn't like going the next night and trying to get another three or four episodes in like a lot of the binging is now when we see it yeah i think that probably helped you a lot that probably makes a big difference to not try yep. to you know just binge this show because i don't i don't think yeah. it lends itself as well to binging as a lot of other shows out there it doesn't when jennifer and i tried it when we when i tried to get her to watch a lot of it I, that may have been the problem is that we were trying it night after night and it just got tiring yeah yeah so i'll, I'll report back if i do rewatch yeah. matt smith otherwise i'm just gonna wait for the new doctor and be excited for that because i am legitimately yeah. excited for it and i um, will i will likely watch the beginning of it in the christmas special just to see because i know jennifer's gonna have that premiere party cool so i also like i mentioned earlier i picked up a month of marvel unlimited and there were a couple comics i wanted to talk about so one was vader like you mentioned earlier right. so there's a vader 2017 run and it's not done but the first arc of it is done so i read the first arc and then like a couple more issues after that like wherever marvel unlimited cut me off from six months ago you know <laughs> yeah. like it does yeah. It just stops wherever, whatever the current date is, minus six months. That's how much you can get on Marvel Unlimited. So the first arc of the Vader 2017 run is really good. And it's about him getting his lightsaber. So it's actually like oh, nice. back in time from right after he became Vader. So it doesn't pick up directly and tie in with the main Star Wars, like the Vader 2015 run did, which is the one you read, yeah. right? Uh huh. Yeah, I didn't yeah. read all of it, but yeah, I think I read up to Vader down, maybe. So it was it was really interesting to get like you know Anakin right after he turned into Vader, and to have him go through the process of having to get a Sith lightsaber because they changed the lore behind it. And really, that was the biggest thing for me that I got out of it because you knew uh-huh. like the old lore, right? Uh huh. And. I guess if you guys don't know, it was like the Sith would have to like build a forge and like channel force energy into it. And like they would they would construct an artificial kyber crystal, whereas Mm -hmm. the Jedi would always go find an organic kyber crystal. That was kind of the old lore of things, which is why they were red, because it harnessed all of the anger and, and dark side in it. And they could never be any other color. So they haven't actually got into the Sith lightsaber construction in the new canon ever since Disney took over. Um, The Jedi canon stayed pretty much the same. They would have to go find it in the world, and it's kind of a test as a Force user. But for the Sith, they now have to go and steal a kyber crystal by defeating a Jedi. And then they have to channel like negative force energy and like pain anger and stuff into that kyber crystal until they can make it because it's like a living entity now in a way that it Mm -hmm. wasn't in the old canon they have to like make it they call it making it bleed but like basically make it in agony and that's what turns it from whatever color it was before to red so it's about vader having to track down a jedi after the jedi purge happened and then defeat him without having a lightsaber and then stealing his crystal and like dominating the crystal until it's his own it's a dark storyline but it is it's a really good storyline and it also has one of the really cool things in it is like 
when he goes to corrupt this kyber crystal the kyber crystal shows him an alternate path that he could take as vader to become redeemed and overthrow the emperor and not become evil like it's his last chance basically it it gives you like i don't know it's at least a couple pages it might actually be more like half a comic where it shows you what would happen if he chose this so it's like a really cool alternate history of what could have happened oh, but man. didn't end up happening. So I can't speak for anything beyond that first arc of Vader 2017, but the first arc is really, really good, and I highly recommend it. Wow, that does sound absolutely awesome. I'm sitting here listening to you talk about it, thinking, I bet they're going to do a Marvel Unlimited like free month or something for Black Panther in a few weeks. Like That's, that's going to be a good time for me to read these Vader comics. Probably. And I, I guess the other main thing I did with Marvel Unlimited was that Rob from the Comic Box, he gave me a reading list because I wanted to get caught up yep. on Infinity Gems, Infinity War, like get ready for the movie that's coming up and Mm -hmm. i read thanos quest i read infinity gauntlet and then i read the one that's just called infinity and between the three of those you can see all the components that are going to go into the movie as it exists today so they were good i mean i'm not going to rehash the entire plot of them but thanos quest is about him going around collecting all of the Mm -hmm. infinity they're they're called uh, soul gems but then they like change the name mid comic mm-hmm. to infinity gem because it's a better name going forward for it which is really funny to me <laughs> um like thanos just like decides as he's questing for them he's like no infinity gem. <laughs> like i don't know uh, it's please tell me it says that because that's the kind of thing that they would actually do back whenever these were written yeah it's something like that like thanos quest and infinity gauntlet are like from 1990 and 1991 or something they're like so, that they're so hard to read like i've tried to go back and read part of infinity gauntlet and i couldn't like they're they're hard for me to read see i got through them fine because they were self-contained runs and they were short like thanos okay. quest is three issues and infinity gauntlet is six and then it's over like is there an linger. infinity quest as well did you read it um or am i getting that confused with thanos quest I I don't know. I I don't want to say for sure that there's not, but it's not one that Rob told me to read as part of what's going into the movie. And then the standalone Infinity was, I don't think they're going to take much from that in terms of plot. Oh, that's a new one. But yeah. It was 2011 for Infinity Quest. I'm sorry. Okay. So Infinity is like 2013 or 2003 or something. I don't know. Sometime in the 2000s. I want to say... 2003 i could be wrong i should have written it down this is me not taking good notes but infinity i don't think the plot is going to tie in very much but some of the like his enforcers from the trailer that are you know the people that i'm assuming like he sends to earth before him that the heroes has to fight before they fight the big bad i think all of those are directly going to be from infinity that run like what are they called like the black order or something they legitimately have like three different names in that comic it's the black something is their main one but where i can't i can't remember their names and the only reason i know anything about them is from marvel future fight is because they're all bosses that you can fight in it oh okay cool so yeah i read all of that and i don't know it was i'm glad i did it i'm glad i feel more prepared for infinity war than i did before okay when you say you're more prepared but does that mean you're more excited for it because i know that we've been kind of waffly on the mcu movies lately where we like them but we haven't been really uh gung-ho does this make you gung-ho for infinity war more than you have been for others um no well okay hang on that's a multi-part question it doesn't make me more excited than i was before i read these but 
I am actually legitimately excited for Infinity War the movie, which next okay. week's topic we're talking about what we're like actually excited for and anticipated in 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 2018 and Infinity War is like one of the few movies on my list because it is we'll get into details next week, but it's it's the culmination <laughs> of 10 years of movies at this point and even if some of those are starting to feel formulaic the fact that they are tying them all together and kind of putting a bow on it and starting an entirely new chapter after this and the follow-up movie um means we're probably going to see a lot of actual character growth and like characters getting knocked out of the series in one way or another so right yeah no let's talk about that next week though because i want to (laughs) but speaking of that like i watched thor ragnarok finally okay and it's my favorite Thor movie. Um, yes. I'm glad they made him an actual character and not just like a one-dimensional god hero like he always has been up until this point, I felt like anyway. And I like the humor in it. Um, I don't know if I have a lot of other things to say, but I promised you I would tell you when I finished it in case you wanted to talk about it. Well, yeah, I mean, the the thing I liked about it was exactly what you said. Like, I feel like uh, my entire thing about the first Thor movies, the first two of them, were that they were not great movies and not great stories, but they were... They there were movies about people, uh, about pretty people. I liked doing funny and doing funny and saying funny things. Like that was what I liked about them. And this one took it beyond that, where I cared about the story that was being told. There was a lot more legit humor in it, and it was like they finally found how to tell a cosmic story with Guardians of the Galaxy, and then just kind of shifted that area of the MCU into that. And and I liked Thor Ragnarok. I felt that Thor Ragnarok was a better Guardians of the Galaxy 2 than Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was. That I feel yeah, like it was more of a that. sequel. It was more of a sequel that wasn't that same kind of, oh, th- I'm just doing the same kind of thing over again. It was an iteration on that again. Like we say something is iterative. This one feels to me like iterative design of the the cosmic side of the MCU. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. And I I liked it for that, too. I'm excited to see the cosmic side of the MCU expand because it feels like they can do so much more to break out of this like typical superhero mode that a lot of the other movies seem to get stuck in. And I'm really excited. I don't know if you saw like everybody and I'm I'm sure you did, too, like really loved Valkyrie in this. Like I'm a big Tessa Thompson fan now. And uh, like I liked her in Westworld and I really liked her character there. And I liked her in Veronica Mars as because I hated her in Veronica Mars. She was well, I liked her she as an is actress. one of the main characters in Hang the DJ in Black Mirror. Is she really? Yes. So uh, you should go watch that. I really should then. Like, she's great. And that character of Valkyrie, they've now, they're bringing into the comics, uh, the, the Thor Ragnarok version of Valkyrie specifically is joining the Exiles because they're a team that pulls from alternate dimensions. So they're bringing specifically this Valkyrie into the comic, uh, the actual comics. Oh, cool. Um, I mean, so, I guess I kind of skipped over it when I was talking about Marvel Unlimited, but I also read Gwenpool but since you brought up comics again. Yeah. Uh, have you right. read any Gwenpool? Was my main question. No. It is I have, fun. I like it. I want to read it because I got to the second or third issue of Champions, and the last panel was her becoming a member of the Champions or trying to join, and I haven't read any more than that. But okay, I want so to. I've never really connected with Deadpool, even though I liked the idea of him. I, I like the movie, but I like the comic iteration. 
right. I've never actually the same liked way. the way they executed it as a comic. Yes. He just doesn't appeal to me. But this is the same fourth wall breaking thing, except she doesn't have any superpowers, which is, it's just hilarious. Like, she <laughs> ends up in the comic book world from our world, so her only power if you could even call it that is being very familiar with all of the marvel comics because she's a big comic <laughs> fan seriously that is, yes that is her power i did not know that so her power is knowing comics and also realizing that she is probably the protagonist of a comic that she's in right now so she can't actually be killed like those are the only two things that she legitimately has as her abilities if they're even considered abilities and it that, just takes that and runs with it. That is way more fun than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's it's really fun to read. Like, I I don't know what to say about it besides that, except it's a great premise. And I, I liked every episode or episode. I liked every issue that I read. <laughs> All right. Now you're, you're selling me in Marvel Unlimited again, because that is not because I haven't done any research. Like I've seen Gwenpool. I've played with her in Future Fight. And it's like, OK, but uh, that 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 is the best way to sell me on that that I've heard so far. That's great. Yeah, it's it's really fun. Um, and then the last thing I had for a longer discussion here is I read a book called Blood, Sweat and Pixels. And it is the most interesting book I've ever read about like video games or video game development. So it's a really cool book looking at the behind the scenes of game development, just like a lot of other things I've kind of been looking at lately. I highly recommend this to anyone interested in what goes into making a game, just like I recommend Noclip, but this is a great book for it. And it has, so one of the things here is that it has extremely current game examples. So the author is one of the, I can't remember if he's an editor or a writer for Kotaku, but he's been there for a while and he does really good reporting. So he used, you know, his connections and his skills and, you know, being in the industry for however long he has been to go and talk to a ton of developers from like the big name studios on games you actually know from the last 10-ish years. So yeah. Uh, chapter by chapter outside of the intro and the outro is just game by game and like one interesting thing or a couple interesting things that happened in the creation of that game and how like the development like went wrong or there was a wrench thrown into it or you know like if you've never done software developer there's always something that comes up that you didn't plan that causes problems and because of the nature of video games um it's that taken to the extreme that always happens. Like the fact that any software ever gets shipped is kind of a miracle that you don't understand <laughs> until you're a developer. Yeah. I mean, it is, right? You're a developer. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's just so many moving parts. Like it's it's insane. It is. So um, the games that this book covers it are Stardew Valley, Diablo 3, Destiny, The Witcher 3, Halo Wars, Pillars of Eternity, Dragon Age Inquisition, Shovel Knight, uncharted 4 and star wars 1313 so like it's a really really good book for all of those without getting into like all the details of any one of those um some of the stories made me change my opinion on developers which was very interesting for me i suppose so i kind of respect bungie a lot less now now that i understand like what they're kind of like behind the scenes and the way they treat business and their properties and stuff like that i just i have a lot less respect for bungie than i did before and then on the other side of the coin i have a whole new appreciation for the dragon age team at bioware like i did Mm. not click with inquisition at all i i tried i really tried i probably put 30 hours into that game before i gave up on it and I, I hated it by the time I gave up because I was forcing myself to try to like it, right? By the time I was done, I was like, oh, I hate this game, even though I could probably go back to it now and appreciate it in a different way. But yeah, 
you know, with Inquisition, it was kind of like, maybe I'm done with Dragon Age at this point. Maybe I won't ever come back. After reading this book, reading it was enough to sell me on the next Dragon Age game, sight unseen. Because reading what they had to do, (laughs) they basically redeveloped the Frostbite engine and all of their tools to make this game. Because that engine was made for first-person shooters, and it didn't have anything for third-person support or RPG or quests or, like, anything that would go into an actual RPG, third-person game that they made, they developed almost all of it except for, like, the graphics from scratch. And they still made this game come out. Like, it... It's unbelievable. Like, okay, so I'm not familiar with the 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 actual behind the scenes of this, like the production of Inquisition. Like, I bounced off of it like you did. I probably put in three or four hours and legitimately hated the controls and camera and stuff like that, and kind of kind of UI altogether, which makes this makes a lot more sense with that. So why did they run with Frostbite? Were they told from above they had to? Yes. So this is also, if you guys don't know, the reason that Mass Effect Andromeda is the way it is. Because they were still dealing with these same problems. Like, this and Mass Effect Andromeda are the first two RPGs that were made on Frostbite. And it's because EA decided at some point before uh, Inquisition started development, that everybody who works for EA from now on is going to develop on the same tool set, and it's going to be the Frostbite engine. And it is an engine that is amazing for first-person shooters. Just take a look at Battlefront 2. Like, the graphics in mm-hmm. that are just stellar. They, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, they're brilliant. They knock you out of the park. But outside of graphics, like, it just it wasn't made for anything outside of first-person shooters. So now every other EA studio that has been mandated to use this has to, like, create tools from scratch even if they had something that had worked for 10 years previously, they can't use it anymore. All of that to say that I now have a lot more respect for the RPG teams at BioWare, and I feel bad for them that they were given this mandate <laughs> that messed up two games now. So tell me about Bungie. I mean, I don't. We, I know we try to avoid uh, like, like negativity a lot, but I'm really curious on what makes you respect Bungie less now, because I didn't, I didn't think that you had a lot of respect for them. I, th- I thought that it was more along the lines of Bungie is Bungie, and they're kind of there, but what like like to actually go below that makes me makes me really curious on what happened here because I'm going to read this book obviously like this sounds fantastic like this sounds awesome but I'm really curious about Bungie now so it's not any one thing they did it's more I've been in like the corporate world for long enough now that I can read between the lines when people give quotes about like kind of what's happening behind the scenes and yeah. they just lack direction like they got their own property and they just didn't know what to do with it like they were given the freedom to do anything and they had all of these grand ideas and they had a bunch of leaders that they could have said yes take this and run with it and instead they basically remade halo and they called it destiny like and yeah i know this because like i like destiny as a shooter right it's a really solid first person shooter but it's it's an evolution of Halo. It is a direct evolution from the Halo games they made before it. And they were given all of this freedom, the ability to do anything they want. And the first thing they did when they became an independent studio from Microsoft was they turned around and signed a 10-year deal with Activision that locked them into basically remaking Halo and calling it Destiny. And yeah, because of the release schedule they agreed to for Destiny... 
it's caused all sorts of problems. Like, you remember when Destiny came out and they had pulled the entire story and they scrapped it all in Destiny 1 and then they had to re-knit it back together in a way that kind of half made sense, but there was never any time to explain Uh what they couldn't explain? Like, that is why Destiny 1 is the way that it is, because of their bad business practices and bad project management, basically. Okay. As somebody who has lived through bad project development as a software developer, (laughs) that makes me rage in a way that few other things do. I feel so bad for the teams that had to work on those games and then put out a subpar product because they had signed a deal that they had to launch by this day, you know? And uh, And just knowing what I know about video game development, that hurts me. Like, and I'm not even involved in it, but putting a hard date on it just just makes my soul ache. Well, and the thing is, like, this one, it wasn't even about Destiny 2, but it started kind of accidentally talking about it anyway because it discussed the nature of the deal with activision and you could tell that the exact same thing was in the process of happening with destiny 2 which probably explains why destiny 2 didn't land as big as they wanted it to or that people thought it would like i think destiny and destiny 2 both have the ability to become amazing games but they each needed probably another year of development and yeah i could see that like, they, they just weren't given that. And then a lot of the other things with, like, you know, having a story in place and picking a direction and then at, you know, the the very last hour deciding, oh, we're going to do totally something different. Like, that doesn't work in software development. That's how no. you ruin entire projects. So stuff like that. I mean, you should read it and let me know what you think. Um, maybe I'm reading between the lines where I shouldn't be, but that's the impression I get. No, and that makes sense, though. I mean, because they've... Just even the stuff that gets publicized from Bungie and around these games seems like a hot mess. That there's just everything that's happened since like 2002 with Bungie has been kind of a mess. Yeah, and some of it is like attitude also, you know, Mm -hmm. especially after reading 10 developers back to back and hearing all their different approaches and philosophies and attitudes. Some of them are like a small family, you know, like yeah. Shovel Knight. The Shovel Knight people love their game and they love working together and they're uh-huh. doing what they want to do, even though they were offered to be bought out a bunch of times. They're like, no, yep. we want to make the games we want to make with our small group. And that's all we want. Bungie is a bunch of dude bros that got really <laughs> successful and didn't know what yep. to do with it. And that's true. I feel bad saying that, but it's like, yeah, that that's kind of what it is, you know? I would also like to point out as a way of of kind of ending the podcast, these two super geekery episodes that have that have been opposite of everything else that you have landed on how I buy video games after reading this book that you don't want to support Bungie as much because of the way the developers are and you will buy dragon age side unseen because you like the team and you have made fun of me for that in the past uh no because i i mean i'll buy destiny 3 like i it, oh yeah just because i respect them less like i, I don't know if the game is good enough i'll buy it <laughs> but you know it it's not necessarily the people behind it that convinced me one way or another it's like what i know now about the engine and the development cycle that oh okay they got their feet taken out from under them which is why dragon age inquisition is the way it is give them more years on a project and they can probably do much better you know that's that's very true yeah so it's not it's not like the people because i legitimately couldn't tell you the name of a single person that works at either of those companies and i don't care to like whatever (laughs) so (laughs) not exactly like you i'm excited to see what comes of the next dragon age game then because i 
Inquisition was really the first one that I'd ever tried to play because my 360 red ringed right when I had Origins, and so I I just kind of missed it because of circumstance, and uh, I never played it on PC or anything, even though I have it because it came really late, and I decided to try Inquisition and bounced off for all those reasons. So maybe Inquisition Two or whatever they'll call it will will be the one to get me. Very possibly. Okay, uh, next week, guys, we're going to be hopefully back to our normal topic structure type of thing, and maybe we'll actually hit that new like 45-minute goal, which did not happen tonight, and it's did totally not fine. Happen. We had a lot to talk about these last two weeks, though. So we're going to talk about like our most anticipated everything of 2018 next week, which is something we thought would be fun just because we didn't do it last year, and I kind of regret it because we couldn't look back at the end of the year and say, what were we excited for? What were we right about? What were we wrong about? And it's still early enough because legitimately nothing has come out because it's January. So that's next week's topic to look forward to. That being said, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And if you're on Slack all day like we are, you can go to slack.geek2geekcast.com for an invite and talk to us. And we are part of a podcast network, and you can go to geek2geekcast.com to see if any of our shows tickle your fancy. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And I'm now vlogging my way to a Star Wars-themed half marathon at runningshoes.tv. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek2Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeky-beekies. Hey everyone, Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek, inviting you to join me and my rotating cast of co-hosts each week on The Comic Box, where we tell you everything you need to know to become a world-class comic book geek. So join us for The Comic Box, each week, right here on the geek to geek Podcast Network. Hey everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we're the hosts of the podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture. We try to have a female perspective on things, but we really just talk about anything we like. What are some recent topics we've done, Katie? Uh, Well, we've talked about girl power songs, Wonder Woman, Veronica Mars, young adult fiction novels, San Diego Comic Con, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and start listening today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.